Welcome to the It's Okay to Be Awesome podcast. We are your hosts, Rebecca and Anne. Last episode, we talked about how relationships are extremely important to all of us. They're what we think about most in our day, and even how we define our lives in some cases. We also alluded to something that not many people realize, but that's very helpful to know. And that is that relationships are for you. That's right. The truth is, relationships aren't there to ruin your life or improve it. They're there to help us evolve. They always tell us more about us than the other person. And that's a good thing. You see, we are our own princess or Prince Charming. The love we are truly seeking is our own. Once we understand how to tap into that, all of our other relationships blossom open too. But we will explore that soon. For now, let's talk about what relationships aren't. They are not this fairy tale that a lot of us are brought up to believe. They're not about the happy ever after or the one that you need to find to make your life perfect. These are myths, and there are many more like them. Some we believe consciously, and some program us unconsciously. But all of them influence us, and all of these myths actually do more harm than good. So let's dispel these and other unhealthy myths so we can have healthy expectations and ultimately healthy relationships. Myth number one, the point of life is to fall in love. Myth number two, once you're in a relationship, everything is perfect. Myth number three, you must find the one. There's one person, one perfect match for everyone. Let's start unpacking. Okay, myth number one, the point of life is to fall in love and get married. So much of society has been influenced by this belief. It appears frequently in books, TV shows, and movies. Lost woman meets Mr. Right and her life is now solved. (sighs) So what's the problem, you ask? A lot is the problem. First, this myth suggests that you can't be fulfilled in life unless you're in a romantic relationship. And that's just not true. While romance can be fun and exciting, it isn't everything. There's our families, our friends, our hobbies, our interests, our talents, our health, our goals, our challenges, our everyday life, and everything else that makes us us. Relationships are just one part of our life. They're not a destination point or the reason we're alive. The reason we're alive is to live, to experience, to explore, and then to express who we really are and to just be the person we are. Believing that the point of life is to fall in love makes everything else less important. Even worse, instead of helping us find ourselves, this myth can also take us away from ourselves. Even though our society almost defines getting married as succeeding, some people just don't want to. It's not who they are. Maybe two people don't see the need in labeling their love, so they'd rather not get married. And maybe some people feel more fulfilled dating or not dating anyone at all. Having to fit into a societal norm doesn't allow us to check in with ourselves to see what's right for us or what we truly want. And this myth carries the toxic belief that we're failing or not good enough if we're single. Feeling you need to fall in love also discounts your relationship with yourself, as if you're incomplete until you find that perfect romantic relationship. And that's simply not true. In fact, you're much more likely to find a healthy partnership if you already have a healthy relationship with yourself. We can only attract what we are. 
Another myth about marriage is that if it doesn't last forever, then you've failed. People feel a lot of shame for ending their marriage, and they shouldn't. We can make different choices at any point in our life, and that's okay. Taking the pressure off ourselves to be somewhere other than where we are can be really liberating. Also, when we start being more present with the world around us, instead of worrying or thinking about where we should be, we start to enjoy life way more and get way more out of it. Myth number two. Once you're in a relationship, everything is perfect. Oh, the idea of happily ever after. The beautiful notion that once you have a relationship, life is perfect. There's no more work to do at all. Oh, if that was true, once you found your partner, all there would be left to do is nothing? All you have to do is wake up, smile at your love, and then do nothing? No doing household chores, no disagreeing on what movie to watch or who forgot to lock the door, no challenging conversations, no feelings other than love, no learning, no growth. Uh, is that realistic? I don't think so. The only thing constant in life is change. That means that people in situations change because they're meant to. Growth requires change. I mean, how boring would it be if things always stayed the same? Also, life isn't perfect. People aren't perfect. Setting ourselves up for this expectation is not fair on our partner or ourselves. Expecting perfection from our partners means that we don't tolerate anything less, and that means that if there's struggles or problems in the relationship, we're going to jump ship. And while we may think that we're making a good choice or sticking to our high standards, what we're actually doing is protecting ourselves. You see, if any part of us feels like we're not good enough or we don't deserve love, that we aren't perfect enough to deserve it, then we won't let ourselves have it. We'll pick the other person apart, then leave them. Then do the same to the next person and the next. Myth number three, you must find the one. Everyone has one soulmate. This myth impacted my life in such a huge way that I'm going to tell you about it. When I was eight years old, I had my first experience with the supernatural. <laughs> well, I went to the Kitchen Witch in Kensington PEI to have my tea leaves read. And after drinking the tea way too fast because I was so excited, my whole life changed when the witch looked up at me, excitedly, revealing to me my future. You are so lucky. You are going to find your soulmate. Immediately, I felt a wave of excitement overcome me. I was going to find my soulmate? For her to be that excited must mean that this is a rare thing. I was special. I was one of the lucky ones. Leaving her old-timey kitchen and stepping out into the brilliant sunlight, my head was high and my new quest was clear. I was going to meet my Prince Charming, and I would not be complete until I did. It took me many years, many tears, and many French kite-surfing instructors running mango farms in Australia, well, maybe just one of those, to start to see a pattern emerge in romance. I traveled a lot during my 20s, living in many different countries and meeting many different people. No matter who I dated, however different and special they were, they weren't good enough. There was always something wrong with them. They weren't tall enough. They weren't serious enough. They were too serious. They had a dog. They didn't want a dog. They took longer to get ready than me. Or they had flip-flops, tattooed. And I mean like an actual tattoo on their feet. Once, feeling like the person I was dating would never be the successful man I deserved, I broke up with him. 
It hurt in the moment, especially since I only wanted to run to him to be consoled because he was my best friend. Months went by and I started losing weight and a lot of vitality. I didn't make the connection that my heart had broken until I saw him again out in public and felt more love for him than I could bear. I then apologized profusely, but to no avail. He was too hurt to welcome me back into his life. He had closed his heart and I was grieving. This took me years to get over. I blamed myself for losing the love of my life. I thought I would never love again. I was stuck, sad, and tormented. It wasn't until much self-work and much later that I understood that I am the love of my life. Others may come or go or stay, but relationships are mirrors here to help you see and ultimately love yourself. What this heartbreak made me realize was that the men I'd been dating weren't good enough for me because deep down, I didn't feel good enough, and I was projecting that onto them. By unlearning this myth and learning how to love myself, especially to be kind to myself for having believed this myth in the first place, I was finally able to reclaim my life and set myself free. Now, not fixated on the one or that I need to be in a relationship to be complete, I enjoy relationships as an opportunity for expansion and have way more fun in them as well as in everyday life. Now, I'm in no way saying that we don't have soulmates and that we should just settle for anyone. I absolutely believe in soulmates and that they come in many forms. Soulmates can be our romantic partner, our friend, our mother, father, our child, etc. I believe a soulmate is someone you feel like you've known before who is in your life to show you love and to help you grow. Soulmates can be in your life for a lifetime, or they can help you through a situation and move on, making way for your next soulmates to present themselves. Remember, there are billions of people on this planet and life is expansive. Like we learned in science class, space is always expanding, not shrinking. In that way, there's always more life and love coming. While people help us learn lessons about life and ourselves, There can be different people for different lessons and stages of life. If there was only one, imagine losing that love, then thinking forever that you'd be alone. That's just not the case, especially because ultimately your soulmates are here to help you fall in love with you. Relationships are helpful because they help you heal and see certain truths about yourself. Sometimes they can help you become more authentic, which is freeing and really beautiful. Everyone deserves to live as their true self and show up authentically. So the name of the game isn't to align with your partner, it's to align with yourself. At times, people try to impress their partner, attempting to say what they think the other person wants to hear, because they're hoping to be liked and accepted. They think those inauthentic behaviors are helping them have love. But it doesn't happen because it's not authentic love they're attracting. In actuality, lying is robbing them of the experience of authentic love. Authentic love can only happen when you have love for yourself, and the person you've attracted has love for themselves too. That way you can both be free and happy and enjoy your lives. So aligning, what does that look like anyway? We talked before about the sparkle in you, your essence, your specific soul essence. And we talked about how it gets really covered up by a lot of things, and how some people don't even realize they have that essence until the end of their life or later in life, and they wish they found it earlier. What are ways you can align? One way is by getting grounded, going out into nature, 
putting your feet on the earth, breathing in the natural world that hasn't been programmed with beliefs. Nature is not like parents, teachers, friends, or celebrities on TV. The forest has no rules. The ocean is not tamed. It just is. And it exists as a healthy vibration. So when you go to nature, you match its vibration. Get grounded and free yourself from all the influences that are not your truth as often as you can. And when you're there, notice. Notice how you feel. Notice whether your mood shifts. Do you feel lighter, more peaceful, or just better? Notice what you feel like when you feel good. Because that's who you are at your core. Other ways of aligning with yourself are doing things that you find fun. Follow your passion and do the things that you enjoy. Things that, when you're doing them, put a smile on your face. Things that give you joy instantly. For me, that thing is dancing. There are moments when I'm dancing crazily, when I'm really feeling the music, when I feel really connected, that I have this big smile on my face and I want to start giggling because my heart feels like it's going to explode I'm so happy. Dancing brings me so much joy. So does listening to music. When I hear a certain song, it just makes me go from normal to super excited. A lot of times, creative people really do enjoy dancing, movement, and expression. If you're someone who's creative, that could be one of your ways. Another way to do what brings you happiness is to look at what you do to unwind or to feel like yourself again. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's drawing. Maybe it's practicing magic tricks. Maybe it's collecting cars or taking care of animals. Whatever makes you feel good is what you are here to do. Life is loving. It wants you to be happy. And it wants you to follow your inspiration so you can live your best expression of life. Follow your happiness. And some days, following your happiness can simply be following your intuition for the day. What feels good for the day? It might be to walk over to a playground and sit on the swings. It might be to color in your room. It might be to have a bath. And you can always follow these things that help you get more in contact with who you are, with what you like, and what you need. Another way you can align with yourself is to notice when something's not right for you. If you don't like something, like maybe you don't like skiing, just notice that that's okay, and you have permission to not do it. Even though your family or friends do it, you don't have to. However, there is a little exception to that. If you don't like something just because you tried it once and you didn't succeed right away, that's a, actually an opportunity for you to give it another chance. Because sometimes we try something we haven't done yet, and we're just in the learning phase. You have the opportunity to explore when you're in the learning phase. So if you don't like piano lessons, maybe what you like is making electronic music, or maybe what you like is singing or laughing and connecting with people. And you happen to learn that through the piano lesson. Or maybe you don't like playing a certain type of song, but you like playing another type of song. Don't discount things too early. Use them as an opportunity to not just explore them, but also to explore yourself. Because when you do, you get way more insight into who you really are. When I started singing, I really didn't like it. I just did it because I could sing and I was asked to. And even though I trained in opera for 10 years, the way I sang was not the way I wanted to sing. I liked singing a certain way. And no one else really did it because it wasn't common. I like to sing high notes, to just sing them and let them last forever. It just felt so good to me to do that. They sounded so smooth and heavenly. But singing just high notes really wasn't a profession. So eventually, in my 30s, I let myself explore. 
gave myself permission to like what I liked, and I've now created a vocal sound bath business that helps lots of people through just singing the way I love to sing. Another way of aligning with yourself is through meditation. Meditation allows you to go inside and to spend time with yourself. And while sometimes we might think that meditation equals someone very old and wise sitting cross-legged on the floor with their eyes closed, there are so many other styles and forms of meditation out there, like dance meditations, chanting meditations, and more. This is amazing because if you don't enjoy one, there are so many others. Did you know that even walking can be a meditation when you consciously choose to focus on your breath with each step you take? Again, in our culture, meditation used to be thought of as one thing. You sit down, you turn your brain off, and then you get insight into your soul. There, you can ask yourself questions like, is this the right choice for me? Or what do I really want to do with my life, etc. I personally get my answers through going for a walk in the woods. I connect my soul that way. I also connect to my soul through singing. If I have a question, I don't sit in silence. I sit and I sing and I get my answers. Mindfully connecting with yourself is a very powerful way to align. Another great way to align is yoga or something that helps you get out of your mind altogether and into your body. Because when you're in your body, you're more grounded. And when you're more grounded, you can hear yourself better. It's not so loud around you. You don't have your thoughts always distracting or judging you. Your thoughts are never you. You're the one who has the thoughts. So when you're focusing on your body, you can be in what is called a receptive state. When you take your energy away from all your thoughts in your mind, you make space so that answers and wisdom can actually come in. You're open for it now. You don't have your thoughts blocking it. I'm a very active and energetic person, so I found that yoga is a great way for me to meditate and connect with myself. It's also a great moment for silence. Even though I'm moving my body through physical postures, I don't talk or respond to anyone for one whole hour. And that's a really nice brain break for me. The savasana at the end is like a little meditative nap, and it allows me to deeply relax and reset. All this to say that there are different ways for different people to align with themselves, and they can change during your life. What's so beautiful is that when you're in a state of meditation, you're happy, you're peaceful. The core of who you are is a loving place that you recognize. You're not actually having to discover anything. You're just remembering who you really are, remembering what you feel like with a loving heart and no fear. A wonderful suggestion that we have for you is to create a ritual or routine of connecting with yourself. I personally like to do it at the beginning of my day. I feel way better when I connect with myself and how I feel that day. Making it a frequent practice helps you listen to your intuition, strengthen your connection to your intuition, and ultimately strengthens your trust in yourself. The last way to connect or align with yourself is to be compassionate. Here's one major fact. Life is loving. And because you are life at your core, you are made of that loving energy. That is one reason people enjoy connecting with themselves so much. When they cut through the noise of the mind, they recognize their peaceful and loving nature. They feel open, expanded, and free. They see themselves as love and with love. They recognize that love is all there is. The problem is, though, when we are disconnected from that feeling, we forget. And we tend not to speak to ourselves kindly at all. In fact, often our self-talk is really negative. Think about it. In moments when you're feeling bad and you really need extra love, like when you think you've made a mistake or not done something the way you think you should have, 
Are you kind and encouraging to yourself, or are you mean to yourself? Most people are very mean to themselves, saying things to themselves like, You're so pathetic. Who do you think you are? Or, What's wrong with you? Then they even feel more horrible. Instead of feeling free and good, they feel small and scared. That's because, instead of recognizing ourselves as worthy of love always, we have been taught to be hard on ourselves, and that love is conditional and earned. The truth is that the love that exists at our core is unconditional. And giving ourselves love is the only way we will feel better and like ourselves again. Here's a fun way to help treat yourself more kindly. It's called the compassion test. All you have to do is notice whether you're feeling open or closed. If you're feeling heavy or constricted, you can tell you're not being compassionate with yourself. If you're feeling open and good, then you are, because love expands and fear shrinks. When you're not being kind to yourself, when you're mad at yourself for making a mistake or for being confused or for thinking that you should have done something better or differently, when you feel lost from yourself or you don't feel like you're in control, when you feel low self-esteem or worthless, those are feelings that constrict or shrink. And you can notice in your body that when you're in that shrinking feeling, you aren't being compassionate to yourself. If you find yourself there, don't fret because only when you catch yourself there can you make a change. Only when you notice you are feeling constricted can you choose to expand. Remind yourself that deep down, I just want to be happy and everything I'm doing is trying to get me there. I can choose to forgive myself for being hard on myself and be compassionate toward myself. I'm doing my best and every second is a new opportunity. It's Q&A time. Here are some questions sent in by kids like you. Question number one. What does the word compassion mean? Compassion is another way of saying being loving in a time when someone is suffering. In a lot of cases, we hear about people feeling compassion or a feeling of wanting to help someone who is sick, hungry, or in trouble when talking about how they relate to others. Like someone feels compassion for a homeless person on the street when they walk by. But just like other people deserve our love when they are suffering, so do we. And we can help and heal ourselves much more powerfully if instead of judging ourselves for our own suffering when we are confused or upset, we choose to offer ourselves love right away. Remember, we are only ever doing our best and all we really want is love. Question number two. I can't sit still, so meditation doesn't work for me. What should I do? Great question. Maybe still forms of meditation aren't your cup of tea. But there's many ways to meditate that involve moving around. You could try a walking meditation where you focus on your feet, your breath, or listening to sounds around you. Or a dance meditation where you let your body lead and you focus on letting yourself move the way you want to. Or a chanting or singing meditation where you sing a note or phrase over and over. These are all fantastic as they help you calm your mind and body and help your energy flow. Finally, Almost anything can be made into a meditation, riding your bike, cleaning your room, etc., if you set the intention to be present during it. That means focusing on what you're doing each moment, instead of doing it on autopilot or to simply get it done. It's time for life work! Life work question number one. What are some qualities that you like or love about yourself? Take a moment to think about it or write it down in a journal. Life work question number two. 
Have you ever tried meditation? If so, how? Did you like that method or would you like to try a new one? Which new one sounds interesting to you? Life work question number three. Have you ever written a love note to anyone? What would a love note written from you to you say? Take a moment to write yourself a love note. And there you have it. You have the power to create anything you want for your life. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Anne. And remember, it's okay to be awesome. Sky's the limit and you only got a minute so you ain't gonna stop me now. Sky's the limit and you only got a minute so you ain't gonna stop me now. No way, no how.